Uh, do you, you, you understand that's why God's no respecter of persons, and every one of us, it matters not where you come from or what you look like. You get to Jesus. You come through Jesus to salvation the same way. And so regardless of physical differences, intellectual differences, differences in abilities and talents, we arrive to the same destination by the same path. Now verse 13 says, For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have, made, uh, and have been all made to drink into one Spirit. Now, this alone should teach us uh, that God is no respecter. Peter said this in, in Acts 10, 34. I won't read it, but Peter said, that, you know, I know now, but God is no respecter of persons. He, he, he cares about everybody equally. And secondly, then we see that God makes it very clear that the body of Christ is not one member. Uh, you know, it's not just a blob that we enter into, but rather a functioning body. You see in verse 14, it says, the body is not one member, but many. And so, you know, the truth is we have the body of Christ and it's many, but we also have uh, this, the correlation. We have the church and it's a body and it has many, many members. And so when, the fa- when this fact is established, the word of God immediately addresses, as soon as God establishes uh, these, these two facts here, he says, okay, immediately I'm going to address the pride, the jealousy, and the insecurity of man. He goes right into verse 15, that the foot shall say, because I'm not the hand, I'm not of the body. That's the insecurity of man. Uh, we're, 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 we're looking at other people and thinking, well, you know, they do this, but, <clears throat> you know, I, I'm unimportant because I don't do this, or I, I'm just this, or I'm just that, or I don't have talents, or, <clears throat> you know, I can't play uh, one of these instruments and get up there with the, with the ladies. Uh, you know, so I'm not as important as they. That's, that's the insecurity of man. It says, is, is it therefore not of the body and if the ear shall say because I am not the eye am I not of the body is it therefore not on the body if the whole body were an eye where were the hearing if the whole were hearing where were the smelling God says you know what look we can't function unless everybody unless we have all the parts hey, you know I, I've had to suffer most of my life where I cannot I can't smell uh, you know, I mean, it has to be, it has something to be very unique. Matter of fact, most of the time when I say to my wife, I smell something, what is that? She says, we don't smell anything. So the only thing I smell is what nobody else smells. It's, it's amazing. That's a wonderful thing because you never know there's a dirty diaper. And, and with six kids, it's just like my wife says, did you not smell that? No. Uh, no, I didn't. And even if I did, I would have pretended like I didn't. And so... Now, it's evident again that we enter the body, but we, must, we, we carry our imperfections with us. Did you know that this is a body, but we have imperfections in the body? And so it's clear that we are not to compare ourselves and thus condemn ourselves if we feel we are not important as others, we're as talented as others, or even as spiritual as others. God makes it abundantly clear, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12, and I'm going through this fairly quickly, but it says, For we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. And folks, that's one of the reasons I think we have a good, a good crowd day. God's been blessing us, and, and our crowds are, are, are getting larger. You say, how many do we have? People all the time, you know, I, I go here and speak there and do this. Uh, how many are you having? How many are you running? And I have to look at them and say, I don't know. And they say, what do you mean you don't know? Because they, they count back there. They put it in the computer. They do it. I don't ask. 
You say, why not? Because it don't matter to me. You say, it doesn't matter if we come or not? No. What doesn't matter to me is that once we're here, I'm just going to preach to whoever's here. You, so, so me worrying about the fact that there's, you know, not a big crowd this week as last week, that's not going to help me help you. Amen? And so comparing things, you, you, now you're sitting out there thinking, well, did I have to come then today? No, 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 let me, it, it's very important to me that you're here. Okay? I say things that don't make sense sometimes, but it is. So, please, did you understand that? Okay. Now, thirdly, the Lord reasons with us why we are different. Uh, he says, because uh, God, can, <clears throat> God can and does what he pleases. You say, why do we have to be different? How come I don't have their talent? Because God does what he pleases. This is what he says. Is, but now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it hath pleased him. You understand that? You say, man, I wish I could sing like Brother Hooker. Uh, now, listen, God doesn't give everybody the same abilities because we would just be one big blob. You know, it, look, if everybody was going to get up here and play and sing, there'd be nobody out there to hear. There'd be nobody out there to be blessed. You know, the, the truth is, is that you know, God does, he say, well, why, why do I have to be so different from someone? How come I don't have this? And how God does what he pleases. Now, secondly, common sense should reveal that if we were all the same, there would not be a body but be one member. That's what verse 19 and 20 says, and if there were all one member, where were the body? But now are they many members, yet but one body. God's, God says, look, just think about it. You know, if everybody had all the same talents, you'd all be one member and there'd be no body. It just, truthfully, we'd just be a blob. Anybody remember that show? Okay. Um, it's only like three people remember that. But uh, uh, now, fourth Get this, fourth, the Lord warns against our pride as we might think our talents. and Now, first of all, he addresses our insecurities. Now he's going to address our pride. He says the Lord warns against our pride as we might think our talents, abilities, our knowledge, our position somehow makes us better than others. Verse 21, it says, that I cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. God says, no, 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 time out. You don't act that way. You don't, just because you have some talents and abilities, uh, you don't look at anybody else and say, I don't need you. No, God said, I made them all, and I made them that way, so I need them all. Amen? Amen? Now, <clears throat> fifth, we see what God thinks about the lesser noticed or, or lesser seen parts of the body. Man in his pride, believe, pride believes he can do without the others, but God says without them, really, you're nothing. The greatest is the servant, Jesus says, and the very part that seems to be insignificant in the body is more valuable than the part that's so visible. You know, we don't think of when we go through the parts of the body, you don't do a lot of thinking about your thumb or your big toe, but you know that both of those things are pretty important. Now, I've never cut off my big toe, but I've heard that if you did, that you can't balance. You can't run. You know, I, I, 
I, I heard, you know, I know that, and I've seen people without a, without a thumb, that makes it extremely hard to grasp anything. Verse 22 says, Nay, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. And those members of the body which think to be less honorable upon these we bestow more abundant honor. And our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. For our comely parts have no need, but God hath tempered the body together. And then I said, he, God tempered the body together. Do you know that, that there, you know, our body is maybe not as complete as, it, as God wants it to be because there's some people he wants in here right now that are not here. There's some people that God, you know, has been calling and the Spirit of God has been pulling and tugging for them to be here. And they're not here, so we're weak. But you know that everybody that, that's here, God brought you here. Amen. And he brought you here because of what you bring to the body. Why does God give us these instructions? 1 Corinthians chapter 12 says this, verse 25 and 26, is that, that there should be no schism. In the body. Now he's given us all this because he said, he said, there's a reason behind this. He says, but that the members should have the same care one for another. And whether one member suffer, all members suffer with it. And one member be honored, all members rejoice with it. You know, the the truth is, while the the Feltons are suffering, uh, people that have, uh, you know, particular talents and abilities just okay I, I have to say I'll probably embarrass the fool out of her but but uh, uh, you know uh, my miss uh, Martha called my wife and she was so excited because she got uh, somebody brought some soup and, and a card and things and set it outside their door uh, and you know even though we had been told to, we couldn't come by uh, so she went anyway. Now, I'll never say who that was. But the, no, uh, she went, and Miss Martha was so excited. And she said, but I got to know who it is. I got to know. And we said, well, what do you mean? She said, well, they, there's no signature on the card, so I know they want to be anonymous. And so, you, you know, but that part of the body was hurting. And another part of the body had that ability to make this and and do this and take this to them and provide for them. Miss Martha called back later and said, I found out who it was. She, she said, I called. And t- I somehow I had another. But anyway, Miss Dana brought it. And, and, and Miss Dana said, well, you should have known who brought it. I left you a card. She said, yes, but you didn't sign it. And so, <laughs> so, Amen. <laughs> Now, what does this all mean? We're to treat each other with honor. Honor do someone who is valuable, truly invaluable to the body. So, Brother Hooker, why is it? I believe God put us in there because he said, you know, as you start working together, and truthfully, the more you grow, the more potential to have uh, feelings like, uh, wow, you know, I used to do that, but somebody's doing it better than I am, and I'm not as good as them. Or feeling like I'm unimportant. Or if I come, nobody will even notice that I'm not there. Or, uh, folks, God says, no, I created you, and you are just as important as anybody that walks in that door. 
God does not want there to be schisms, and that means divisions between his people within the body. And, and, and that comes when we, in their insecurity, start feeling like we're not as valuable as somebody else, so we start to, to, to walk away. Or it comes when those who feel like they're more valuable start to express that their value is above somebody else or put somebody else down. Either one of those brings division, and God says, I don't want that. You know, God wants us to care for, look out for, seek to promote the interests of others and provide for others. Calvary Baptist is a body of believers, and we are all members of the body of Christ, but we are also all members of the body of Calvary. Now, say why you want to, I'm going to give you a couple of illustrations and maybe this will make a little sense to you, but when I was young in the ministry as a college student, I uh, I got there and I was I was at this time I was 27, and so I I've been down the road a little bit more than most of the 18 19 year olds. Although at that college we had three or four hundred married students and they were all in their mid 20s to mid 30s and and there was a ministry called Fisherman's Club that uh, for married men that like me as a lot of us just couldn't couldn't keep the schedule and I had to work six and seven days a week I had to work from two to six in between services on Sunday, you know, just to, to try to keep my job and try to keep us in school, do all that. And, and I had to work two to 10 on Saturday. So I didn't have a lot of time that I could visit, a lot of visiting at night. But, but uh, they would come and they'd have these spring and, uh, programs, nine-week spring and fall programs and contests. Uh, and uh, and you'll get all these college kids motivated. And so there was about 200 men in this fisherman's club and they came to me about, I hadn't even been there a year, and they came to me and they said, we want you to lead uh, 100 men. You know, they're going to split these in half. They're going to make two major teams. They'll be broken up into smaller teams, but two major teams. You're going to be the leader of this 100 men. Well, folks, I'm brand new in college, and, and, and I, I, I'm clueless about all this. So here's what they did. They came to me and they said, you are... Uh, uh, the, the leader of that ministry said, I really want you to go counsel with a fellow that's graduating, and he's been a team leader for many times, and he's won every contest he's ever been. Every time we have one of these spring programs, fall programs, he wins. And he said, so what you need to do is go sit down with him and talk to him. So I went uh, after a meeting one Saturday morning. We got done about uh, 8.30 in the morning, and, and I went over to a McDonald's, sat down, and I said, okay, tell me. I have no idea how I'm supposed to lead this team, what I'm supposed to do, so tell me what I'm supposed to do. And this guy looked at me, and he said, you got 100 guys. He said, now, let me tell you what you got, really. He said, you got seven or eight guys that I would call super producers. He said, now, what you need to do is you find out who those guys are. You invest in them. You work with them. And he said, basically, you forget about the rest of them. They're a bunch of do-nothings. Well, I looked at him across that table, and I said, I can't do that. And he said, well, he said, you came to me, and, and, and uh, he said, I've, ne I've never lost a contest. Now, I'm telling you how to win. And he was getting a little frustrated, and I said, but I'm sorry, I can't do that. And he looked at me, and he slammed his hand on the table, and he, sa he's, he got angry. And he said, he said, well, you just lose then because, he said, I'm telling you how to win the contest. And I looked at him, and I got a little upset then, and I said, I said I'm telling you, I can't do that. And he looked at me, and he said, why? And I said, because I'm one of the do-nothings. 
I've never done anything. I said, I can't do that. So the following week, we started the contest. I went to my 100 men, and I said, fellas, all I'm asking is that you, everybody do something. I'm not expecting you to blow the doors off. I'm not expecting you to do, I'm just expecting all of us to do something. And you could get, uh, you know, like 10 points, you know, for different things you could do in a week. And, and, uh, and, and, and I said, look, if, in the second weekend, I remember I came to, uh, in front of some guys and several of them had, had turned in zeros and had done nothing. And, and one of them was a married guy, older than I was, and he was in tears. He said, man, I just need to get out of your way and quit. He said, I've got teenage children trying to go to school and trying to work full time. I'm about to lose my family. He said, I, I, I just don't know what to do. I just need to get out, quit and get out of your way. I said, no, man. No, you don't. I said, here's what you do. I said, don't try to get all these things. I said, do one. I said, next week, just do one. Hey, do one of them. And I said, and here's what I also, I said, the, the club, the fisherman's club requires you to go visit three hours. Now, what everybody else is doing is going six and seven and eight and ten hours out here. I said, but I'm telling you as your leader, you do not go more than three hours. He said, but everybody else is. I said, I don't care. Everybody else doesn't have teenage kids. You're going home. We got to the end of that contest, and they gave away awards for the top 10 people uh, for producing, you know, getting the most points. And they went through all top 10 and gave away all those top 10 awards for those 200 men. And not one of those men on the top 10 was, in, was on my team, including me. And then the leader got up and said, I've never had this happen before. But he called off our team as the winning team because everybody did something. Everybody did what they could do. And folks, that's still the way I believe. I, this is not about how we can get a few people together and make it all happen so we can get the biggest crowd. This is about everybody in this room growing and doing and becoming what God created you to do. That's what it's supposed to be. Too many times we want to be what others are rather than being content to be what God created us to be. Throughout my life, and, and, and you say, why are you doing this? I'm, I'm going to just kind of open myself up here, but throughout my life, I battled an inward voice. That voice would tell me all the time, no matter how good I was, good was not good enough. The second team was failure. To be support was so much less than being the leader. It caused me a lot of heartache and a lot of discouragement. Sadly, I battled these thoughts. As I battled these thoughts, there were men and leaders that encouraged these thoughts. For they seemed to truly believe that there were some who were more important and more valuable than others. And this would only reinforce the feelings that I was already battling. Now, thank God I had a pastor that did not feel or act this way. And after about 10 years in the ministry, 
I was struggling because I, I was the director of the military ministry. When I, that ministry went up, up to you know, about 70 miles up to Great Lakes Naval Base and would load up uh, sailor boys and, and bring them back down on Saturday and we house them and feed them and, and, and we saw uh, many of them saved and things. But, but the truth was I would have, you know, in any given Saturday I might have 25 sailors uh, on some incredible days. I might have 125, you know, but... but um, but, you know, when I, every day I would come back in and, and I'd have to face the fact that on Sunday that there were freshman bus captains that were bringing more people to church than I was. They were just little, you know, 18-year-old kids. They'd go out with their bus and they'd bring in 100 or 200 people through their, with their buses and I'm bringing in 25 sailors. And I would feel like, you know, I'm, I'm not accomplishing very much. I felt in many ways I was an insignificant member of a vast body. One day my preacher was talking to me, and this is, like I said, about probably 10 years into it, and he said, you know, Bob, I know why he even did this, and maybe he just sensed what was going on in my heart and my mind. He said, if you were a church, you would be the third largest or highest church in adults getting saved and baptized in all of Indiana. I looked at him and I said, said, what? He said, don't, he said if, if Satan ministry separated away, he said, do you know, he said that you'd be the third leading church in all of the state of Indiana in adult men getting saved. And he said, the only reason why I'm ahead of you is because I get to count yours. He also said that day that if, if Joe Beth and I ever stopped working with that ministry, it would die because there was nobody else that could take our place. He said that day that he said, your wife is one in a million to be willing to take sailors home to her house every weekend. I began that day to realize that God did not make me to reach bus kids or Bible club kids or work with a death ministry or the Spanish ministry, but to reach young men for God. Now, this is not bragging. It's a reality. It's a, it's a confession. I was a member of the body, but in my insecurity, I thought I was not an important member. But thank God I learned that God put us there. And that great church would not have reached that segment of society if we were not what God created us to be and willing to do what God created us to do. Some years later, my pastor came and he asked me if I would consider a position over what they call the Bible Club kids. I'd be working with two or 300 college students as working with me in that ministry, and, and they'd bring hundreds, maybe sometimes, you know, a 1,000 uh, public school kids. To, and he asked me, would you come over and do that? Folks, I, I read many years ago the, a, the book called The Peter Principle. And in that book, it says this, every man's promoted to his level of incompetence. And I looked at him and I said, I'll do whatever you tell me, but please don't make me do this. Because I knew God created me to reach those young men. Now, 
I came to realize that I'm not the hands of the body that can build and repair and, re and mend. I'm not the legs that can run past everybody. I'm not the shoulders that carry the biggest load. I'm not the tongue that can mesmerize with oratorical ability. I'm not the ears that sit endlessly and listen. I'm not the mind of intellectualism. So I asked God one day, who am I? I know what I'm not, but who am I? And you can believe this or not, but it was so clear, it was almost instantaneous. God said, the eyes. You're the eyes. And I went and read Matthew chapter 6, verse 22. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. I realize that if you're going to lead, as a, be a spiritual leader, you may be more than the eye, but you must be at least the eye. What we must understand from this passage that it is important to realize that true sight is not physical, but spiritual. And that's what God began to say, show me. Uh, biblical discernment is defined this way, to separate by the eye or by the understanding. You see, it's biblical discernment. It's biblical understanding. And, and I'm going to bypass. Now, I'm taking a longer bit. Who are you? Now, you either, as soon as I say that, your mind may say, nobody. But that's, as Brother Smith taught us, that's a lie. Now, this is not an absolute list, and please forgive me. I'm going to, I'm going to, I almost didn't do this, but I'm going to leave people out. I really don't mean to, but, but time will not allow me to go through everybody, everyone in church. I, I took a lot of time just sitting down thinking, but I, I said, Lord, just bring to mind parts of our body. And I thought, Brother Rogers is the hands to work through craftsmanship. Brother Joe is the legs to run with the teens. Brother Jesse is the nose to sense the needs of the bus kids. Brother Allen's the shoulders that carry the financial burden. Brother Hopper is the mind to teach. Brother Mike is the ears to hear the needs of others. And I have to say this, my wife is the heart to love everyone. Miss Linda is the mouth. To encourage. <laughs> Bell is a voice to inspire. Miss Susan is a jaw of integrity that stands and fights for the lives of her girls in her class. Amy is the mind of organization. Brooke and Hannah, the fingers to play for us to sing beautiful music. Brother Wayne, the arms that serve. Miss Molly, the hands that create. Miss Peggy and Miss Connie, the lungs that breathe life into the needy. Brother and Mrs. Phipps, the minds that bring challenge to the oldest and to the youngest. Brother Vince, the poems that sacrificially give and give. Mrs. Helmet, the feet that carry to the needy. Joy. 
the back that prepares the facility for everyone to enjoy. Brother John, the toes that bring balance. Brother Marco, the smile of encouragement. Miss Johnny May, the tongue of inspiration. Brother Felton, the chest of strength of character. Mrs. Felton, the mind of humility. Brother Carl, a backbone of consistent strength. Kim, the eyes to help me see the true need of others. And then I thought about our children or the blood of the body that pumps and pushes all the rest of the body to fight on. And I forgive me if I left you out. I started not to do these because I don't have the time to do every one. I don't claim to know the member of every one. And you may think that's not me. What you said is just not who I am. But it's not so important that I see who each of you are. It's important that God knows what member you are. And it's important you accept who you are. And believe there is no greater member than you, and you are no greater than any other. Now, there's only two reasons you do not feel the part of the body. If this morning you don't feel a part of the body. Number one, you will only be a part of the body when the Spirit of God is in you. That's the way you become part of the body, through the Spirit of God, through salvation being saved if you're saved and you still don't feel part of the body have you chosen not to use what God made for you to use every member is vital and if a member does not function as God created then that part of the body is weakened and does not function as God intended if you feel you're not valuable you're believing a lie just like Brother Smith warned us about, the lie can become a stronghold or that lie can be cast away by the truth. Who are you in the body? Are you in the body? Are you saved? Do you know that you're part of the body of Christ? And if you are a part of the body of Christ... Do you know, do you believe God wants to use what he created you to do? There's nothing that, you know, my brother walked up to me today and he said the baptistry is warm. He said, was it important that he goes and checks the baptistry? If you're getting baptized, it is. Don't believe you're not valuable. We need you. The body needs every portion. And God says, those that appear, see, you think that's not an important finger of all of it, but that's the one God puts the ring on to glory. It's beautified. You're important. I, I, I don't know why God led me here, but please.
please believe you're important. Every one of you. God needs you. Calvary needs you. Say, what can I do? Two things. If you don't know, talk to God and ask him what. That's what I did. What am I, Lord? Number two, come to me. Come to my wife. Come to some of us and say, how can I help? But with God's wisdom and God's guidance, we look and say, I believe God created you to be. Father, I pray that you bless. Please encourage our people. Help our people. 